Good morning. Good morning. And welcome on this absolutely perfect day. Everyone gets a extra big gold star for being here on this perfect summer day and not being at the beach. So uh, know that you have that extra big gold star. Your halos are all shining but so brightly it's blinding from my end. So we're glad to have you all here. A special welcome to what I'm going to dub Team Drake, who is a support section for his homily this morning. Nice to have all of you with us as well. A couple of announcements before we begin. I figure I'll do announcements because I know there's a group that comes in a couple minutes late and they're battling traffic. So anyway, a couple of announcements. First and foremost, thank you to Chef Ron and everyone who helped out with Thursday evening's dinner. It was a great success. And right now we are in the process of putting together a cookout for right roughly around the 20th of August. We're not quite sure. We haven't pinned it down yet. So keep your eyes open for the next community dinner. It was a great time. And then the next community dinner we're talking about in September, we're talking about a barbecue and square dancing which for those of you who grew up in Dallas like I did, there's a whole bunch of trauma associated with the concept, but we're gonna go for it and see how we do. So a couple of fun things coming up over the next couple of months. This Tuesday night, big night, we have our third in a series of Tuesday evening conversations. And this month our speaker is Jean Miller. She holds a doctorate in nursing from URI and is the is a former dean of the College of Nursing and Weicker Chair of Thanatology from URI. She will be talking about living with uncertainty through reason and hope. Subtitle, how to manage your stress during the uncertainty. She is absolutely wonderful. She'll be a great speaker. I encourage everyone to come and be with us and also bring friends. The more the merrier. And we've had great attendance, so I hope we can keep that going. Looking forward, on August 2nd is our, will be our fourth in the series, and that will be a conversation between a rabbi and a priest, and we're going to look at the age-old topic, why do bad things happen to good people? And so those are two big events coming up. At the end of the month, on July 28th, that's a Thursday evening, will be our first of the Brothers Keepers concert series. It'll be 60s and 70s music with Jody DeSalvo, Benny, and a special guest. There are flyers in the back of the church. If you would like to be a proud sponsor or patron of those concerts, we're still receiving patronages. Your name it will be advertised, or if you have a company that like a corporate sponsorship, It'll be advertised with each of the concerts and part of all of our advertising that goes out prior to the concerts. So um, please help us out with that if you can or help um, locate companies that may be interested in sponsoring our events. Finally, forward day by days for August, September, and October are available in the back of the church. They're both in large print and in small print. Pick up whichever one you like. I do advise if you use these regularly, grab it today. They go fast lately, especially if you like the larger print version. Those go really fast. So um, they're back of the church. Sign-ups this week in the back of the church include opportunities for lay ministry. We're always looking for people willing to usher, read, or help with the chalice. And we also have sign-ups for flower orders. The calendars are starting 
the flower calendar is beginning to fill up. We're looking at September, October. We still have a couple in August. So if you're looking for flowers for a particular week, now is the time to sign up, not two weeks before the week you want. And my last announcement this morning is there's a historic event happening among us today. Our senior warden's birthday is today. I won't tell you how old he is, but he's three quarters of a century. So, <laughs> so we celebrate his birth and for his ministry among us. So John, happy birthday to you and many more. So let us now take a moment of quiet as we prepare for worship. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be his kingdom now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Let us say together, glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, receive our prayer for you alone are the holy one you alone are the lord you alone are the most high jesus christ with the holy spirit in the glory of god the father amen the lord be with you, and also with you. let us pray O lord mercifully receive the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they may know and understand what things they ought to do, and also may have grace and power faithfully to accomplish them, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses said to the people of Israel, the Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all your undertakings, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your soil. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, just as he delighted in prospering your ancestors, when you obey the Lord your God by observing his commandments and decrees that are written in this book of the law, because you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Surely this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and observe it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross to the other side of the sea for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and observe it? No. The word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart for you to observe the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying together Psalm 25, verses 1 through 9. 
To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. My God, I put my trust in you. Let me not be humiliated, nor let my enemies triumph over me. Let none who look to you be put to shame. Let the treacherous be disappointed in their schemes. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. In you have I trusted all the day long. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and love, for they are from everlasting. Remember not the sins of my youth and my transgressions. Remember me according to your love. And for the sake of your goodness, O Lord, gracious and upright is the Lord. Therefore he teaches sinners in his way. He guides the humble in doing right and teaches his way to the lowly. All the paths of the Lord are love and faithfulness to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. A reading from Paul's letter to the church in Colossus. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it all and in truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience, while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. 
And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed his mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, guide our hearts and minds as we wrestle with your inspired word. Amen. Please be seated. So some audience participation, first thing this morning. Raise your hand if you've ever heard the term Good Samaritan. Good, that's what I expected. You could put your hands down. Now raise your hand if you've heard that a Good Samaritan is, generally speaking, someone who goes out of their way to help someone else in need. Great. So that's great because that's not what I'm going to preach about today, but I'm glad to know that you've heard that helping people in need is a good thing to do. So we can check that off, and we'll move on somewhere different this morning. And let's start by recapping the beginning of today's Gospel from Luke. We read, Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, well, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Hmm. So fairly straightforward story we see so far. We have someone posing what seems to be a pretty reasonable, clarifying question to Jesus. Who is my neighbor? And then he's expecting to receive an answer from this renowned teacher to his question. But instead of giving the lawyer an answer, Jesus launches into something that sounds like the setup of a really corny joke. A man was going down to Jerusalem from Jericho. It's kind of like a first century Palestinian version of like a man walks into a bar kind of thing. So no, and instead of an answer, Jesus offers a story. 
Instead of giving a clear directive, Jesus opts to use a parable. And there's no denying, really, throughout the Gospels that Jesus has a really soft spot for parables. In fact, he uses them so often that of the 24 or so that we can count through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, eight of those stories are repeated pretty closely to verbatim in at least two, if not all three, of those books. And in our Bible, when things are important, they tend to be repeated. So what is so important about this insistence on storytelling over answering? If Jesus really wanted to tell us some good news, wouldn't it have been better to just get to the point? Over the past few years, my theological imagination has been piqued by a New Testament scholar, Dr. Amy Jill Levine. She's a devout Jew and historian of the New Testament, so she's writing about the New Testament in a way that paints a very vivid picture of Jesus and his followers and his adversaries in a really authentic first-century Jewish context. And that's really great because Jesus was, historically speaking, a first-century Jew. So she argues that when parables are heard through the ears of their original intended audience of first-century Jews, these quirky stories that might be sort of fond ones that we can think of from our trip through the gospel, they really should seldom make us feel content and comfortable. She says in a talk, I quote her, Parables are a genre that were well known to Jews at the time. There's an old line about religion that religion was designed to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And people back then knew that if someone told a parable, these stories were not just banal statements of the obvious, and they weren't children's stories, although children can understand them. They were designed to do a bit of heart surgery, to do some personal excavation. They tell us what we already know, but simply do not want to acknowledge. So when we hear a parable and we think, oh, isn't that nice or isn't that sweet, we're probably not listening very well. Because parables are actually designed to indict. But surely in this line of thinking, the parable of the Good Samaritan here, it was designed to indict the first century Jews, right? Not us 21st century readers, that wouldn't be fair. That's who it was designed to indict, right? Well, probably not. But lucky for us, Jesus' teaching tale here really still packs a punch all of these years later. But in considering the Good Samaritan, if we already know that it's the right thing to do, and even an expectation of Christian ethics to help people who need help, you all raised your hands, if we already know that's the right thing to do, what's the indictment then? Why is this parable worth digging into in any meaningful way? What's left to learn? What are we missing? Well, what we're missing is some context about what makes the Samaritan a good Samaritan. During the time of Jesus, Jews and Samaritans were categorically not fond of each other, to put it lightly. And to Jesus' Jewish hearers, the term good Samaritan would have sounded like a potential oxymoron, kind of like a good murderer 
or a good, really any fill in the blank with some group with a negative stereotype. Samaritans and Jews lived in relatively close quarters. They generally avoided traveling through each other's territory, and they were embroiled in seemingly unquenchable hostility. You can likely easily think of two groups of people today, either here or abroad, that fit these characteristics. Does that sound familiar? But the history at the heart of the lasting animosity between these two groups It's a critical detail that is often overlooked by us current-day hearers of this parable. You see, if we look all the way back to the New Testament accounts, right around 2 Kings, you see that Jews and Samaritans used to be, wait for it, the same group of people. So the plot thickens here a little bit. So what caused the split? What caused this religious and ethnic group to splinter into two, and then to be so hostile to each other. Well, that would be a disagreement on how to carry out specific tenets of their shared faith. Who they can marry, and why, and how they were supposed to worship, and where that should happen. They couldn't see eye to eye on how to carry out their religion together, and so they split. Sound familiar? So here now is Jesus. Centuries later, he's telling a story to Jewish listeners about a man who we can reasonably assume was Jewish being attacked on a road. We can make this assumption that he's Jewish because Luke's text says a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And back then, no matter which direction you were actually traveling, north to south, south to north, east to west, if you were going to participate in the temple ritual, In Jerusalem, you always went up to Jerusalem. And then whenever it was time to leave, you always went down from Jerusalem. This man is going down from Jerusalem, so we can assume he was there to worship. A man is attacked, and he's left for dead on the road. Both a priest and a Levite, which is also just kind of another priestly type, they pass right by this man who's in need, dire, terrible need. Now, if this man on the road is in fact a Jew, these two people were his people, but they still left him for dead. But then a Samaritan stops. The Samaritan not only helps immediately, but he also ensures that the injured man is cared for in the long term by dropping him in an inn and then telling the innkeeper, take care of him, I'll pay you back whatever you need to spend. So that's the gist of the story. So when the lawyer who asked Jesus this question, who is my neighbor, when we get to the end, when this lawyer is asked then, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. He only replies, the one who showed him mercy. Such long-standing animosity toward another group he can barely conceive of, or let alone voice the idea of a Jew needing and then receiving from a Samaritan. Sound familiar? So, if parables are designed to indict us as listeners, as Dr. Levine would have us believe, what then is the charge to us here in the Good Samaritan? 
if we place ourselves in the roles of each of the characters in the story, which one feels like the most uncomfortable fit for you? I find that's generally a good place to start our indictment. See, if we become the priest or the Levi, pass the man by in spite of knowing better, that's an easy lesson. We already know that. You already told me. You should help the person who needs help. No indictment there. And even if we become the Samaritan, going out of our way to help someone in need, even someone who might be different than us, even from a different group, which we don't typically associate, that's a little bit closer, but we still know that lesson already. That's a good thing to do, too. No indictment there either. But what about the man lying on the road? Might it mean, what might it mean to see humanity, mercy, help, and mutuality in someone like the Samaritan? Someone who might be labeled on the surface an enemy, but who has more in common with us than we'd like to admit. What is the parable here, more broadly, and the gospel more broadly trying to draw out for us to admit? Perhaps that seeing each other's humanity before digging into the specifics of difference is part and parcel to living like Jesus? Perhaps that being open to the mercy of those who we've been taught to believe only want to do us harm, maybe starting there might break open some space between us for some healing? My favorite thing about parables is that we get to decide what they mean. Day in and day out, as life shifts around, as the world continues to open up and we will continue to bump into each other, Jesus left us with a teaching that could really stand up to some high mileage use. But what is clear, one thing that is clear, from the parable of the Good Samaritan, no matter how you slice it, is that love of God, love of neighbor, and radical mercy are integral to hearing, living, and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And Jesus showed us this with his life. Go and do likewise. Amen. Please stand and join me in affirming our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. 
he has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. That we, that we all may be one. one. Grant that every member of the Church may truly and humbly serve you. That, that your name may be glorified by all people. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. That they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments. We pray for all who have governed and hold authority in the nations of the world. That there may be justice and peace on the earth. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. That our works may find favor in your sight. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. That they may be delivered from their distress. Give to the departed, especially Lily and Seelan, eternal rest. Let light perpetual shine upon them. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. Let us pray for our own needs and those of others. Let us remember, especially this day, all who have died at the hands of violence. In our parish cycle of prayer, let us pray for Debbie, David, and Andrew Crocker, Ted and Sherry Dane, and Bob and Sally Davis. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, let us pray for amazing grace at the ACI. And I also ask your prayers for those who are attending general convention this weekend. So let us pray for our church. Heavenly Father, you have promised to hear what we ask in the name of your Son. Accept and fulfill your petitions, we pray, not as we ask in our, in your, in our ignorance, nor as we deserve in our f sinfulness, but as you know and love us in your own Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Please stand. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us greet one another with a sign of Christ's love for us. Please be seated. Just a reminder to everyone who's been worshiping here regularly or have perhaps missed a couple of weeks. In the last couple of weeks, we have 
moved receiving communion to receiving at the rail again. So all are invited to come to the rail. Uh, let's still give each other a little bit of um, elbow room when we're at the rail, just to give ourselves a little space. We're not quite ready, to, I've heard, to be shoulder to shoulder yet. But when we receive at the rail, remember that we still are not at a point where we are each receiving directly from the chalice. We continue this week to receive by intinction, better known in the vernacular as dipping, and we try not to do any sipping. So that is just the one reminder about receiving communion. If you are visiting from a different tradition or denomination, here in the Episcopal Church, all baptized people are more than welcome to receive the um, body and blood of Christ, the bread and the wine. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave, him for, gave himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God. All things come from you, O Lord, and of your own have we given you. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, for you are the source of light and life. You made us in your image and called us to new life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, recalling his death, Resurrection and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also 
that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. And now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Thanks be to God.